This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, There's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget there are other ways of listening to the show. If you're not an Apple podcast or iTunes listener, by heading on over to Google Play, Uh, Like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcasts, the Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, the Chase Thomas podcast is back Thursday night, and Ethan Harriman, after weeks away, the fans have been dying to get him back on the podcast. His uh, body has betrayed him, and his throat has betrayed him. Similar to the situation that I have dealt with this winter it's uh it's going around man i think all of us have just gotten some sort of awful sore throat sickness maybe it's the podcast the people who come on the podcast i, I infected everybody well i'm about 85 percent back to normal so i'll i'll try to keep the coughing to a minimum because god knows i've been keeping everyone up around me for the past week uh up late into the night with coughing um one one take on a chemical product that is used for medicine, Mucinex, your product doesn't work very well. It does well. not. I've tried Mucinex before. It's really, really bad. Basically, most over-the-counter stuff is just a waste of time unless you're uh, just taking high, a high amount of that product. It, it's a waste of time. I've tried the over-the-counter stuff or sore throat stuff, and it never works. Or any type of cold or flu-related stuff, it just doesn't do anything. But... But hey, the good thing is that when I'm a little sick, I also get a little bit irritable, which means the takes today are going to be on point. So I'm ready. Are you irritable? I don't know how I feel about this. I I I, I will keep my irritability to the takes. Okay, good. Just I, but keep I will call. I, I mean, I will let you know if I feel like you're being a little irritable towards me because I don't deserve that, man. I'll be careful. I'll Thank be careful. You. Thank you. So we didn't talk uh, about the games that happened this past weekend. We didn't preview them, but they happened, and I enjoyed both. Um, it was kind of one of those situations where the home, like, it's amazing the NFL. I, I don't know if people still see it as this parody-driven league, but in the Super Bowl this year, we have the number one seeds in both conferences. 
representing those conferences in the Super Bowl. And I feel like that happens way more than we like to acknowledge. And obviously, we know the whole story of who comes out of the AFC for the last 20 years, basically, has been a, only a handful of quarterbacks. So it's just, I, I do think it's funny that we were going back and forth on all these different teams, especially leading up to the playoffs. And like, the NFC is wide open. And then, you know, the number one overall seed just ends up winning out. And, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. And I... I, I I feel bad because the Saints, I still do think if they had beaten the Vikings uh, the week before, I don't think they would have lost to the Eagles. Obviously, we'll never know for certain, but I I would have bet on them beating them. But, you know, the Eagles, that game was a lot of fun. And I actually thought that was a crazier game than the Pats-Jags. What did you think? I was really, and I've been impressed all year long with the Eagles offense, but... Uh, the way that their scheme is set up is so good. And that's why I think when you look at Carson Wentz's performance and how Nick Foles has really stepped in and done a very comparable job in the playoffs, Doug Peterson has a damn good scheme in Philly. And he knows how to get his receivers open and let his quarterbacks make easy, low leverage, high percentage throws. Uh, and then the receivers make plays after the catch. And it seems like every, and I know Wentz, I'm not going to say he's a system quarterback, but he's definitely benefited by that. And I think that when you see what they did and how they attacked a really good defense in Minnesota, you see how special so many players on that team are and how great that scheme is at using everybody. Zach Ertz, some of his plays, uh, he's used, I would say he's probably the third most valuable tight end in the league after Gronkowski and Kelsey, but uh, his emergence this year has been huge. And something that maybe. um, if you want to talk in greater depth about it, I would say that probably over the scope of the year with the Eagles, they've had a bunch of different running backs have a chance in the backfield. I think Corey Clement's someone who's really underrated in terms of how well he played in this playoff because uh, he's so good in space and he catches the ball well. He blocks really well. He shouldn't have been undrafted. That that was a steal. Was the, he undrafted? Uh, the Eagles. I believe he was. Because huh. he was amazing at Wisconsin for years. And well, he was slow. He had a bad combine, mm-hmm. but combine for running backs. Like maybe we shouldn't be, if a guy runs four or five and he's smaller, it might translate differently on the field. Uh, Deion Lewis is probably a pretty good example of that, but I was surprised the Eagles won, but I mean, they have a good defense and they're a really, really well coached team and they're going to be very tough for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That's not going to be an easy game because they match up well with the Patriots. So I have two things on that. One is I think Doug Peterson Although, deserves a lot of credit for what he's done and winning these games, especially as underdogs. But I think, you know, it's it's not just Doug Peterson. And I think that's always been the whole thing is like I think their entire organizational structure is solid. Putting Howie Roseman back in power turns out to be a really good decision for them. And, you know, they have a very strong scouting staff. And I think Daniel Jeremiah talks about it as like that's just a really, really deep front office now. And they spent a bunch of money in the offseason and beefed up this roster. And, you know, they didn't waste money on their coordinators. Like, they went out and got Jim Schwartz. They got uh, Reich. Is it Reich? Reich? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. The offensive coordinator. And then you have John Filippo as the quarter, quarterback coach. And you just you go up and down the list, and it's just a really great group of just football guys. And I think just narrowing it just like oh this is howie roseman's team or he deserves all the credit or peterson deserves all the credit or DeFilippo does or schwartz for what he's done with that defense especially the defensive line 
But I, I think it's just a very just communal effort that's just panned out in a major way. So I think they all deserve credit for um, just different things. But I will say, like, even with all their spending, like those little under the radar moves in Patriot like fashion, like Patrick Robinson off the scrap heap, he was a first round talent and he was basically a bust before getting over there. And he had that amazing pick six. And then you have Chris long uh, recovering a fumble and then also causing an interception by just being super active on the edge. And they still have Derek Barnett and Curry and all these different guys. And it's just, I mean, Fletcher Cox and you just go up and down the list and it's just, this is a really deep team and it, they're just so sound on both sides of the ball that we should, maybe we did overthink them a little bit of like, yes, they lost Carson Wentz, who probably would still be my MVP if I was voting, even with his injury. I I just, Nick Foles was amazing. I mean, he was, I think he had like one of the best postseason games of all time with 300 yards and three TDs. I don't know if, I know that's the best one in Eagles history, I'm pretty certain. And he did it on the biggest stage and he took that just ridiculous shot from Everson Griffin when he hit Alshon Jeffrey deep. And that was another big free agency signing. And Jeffrey picked the Eagles over the Vikings. And there's just so many different interesting subplots of this game. And like, I think the Eagles in 04, the last time they got to the Super Bowl, they beat the Vikings and the Falcons on the way to the Super Bowl, which I think is pretty cool. And you know, they're a, they're a fun story. So I know this is going to hurt you, but I am glad that they are in the Super Bowl and I will be uh, pulling for them to beat the Patriots. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> no disagreements? So. <laughs> nope, nothing. I mean, they're great. Congratulations to them. I think it'll be a fun Super Bowl. Nick Foles, man. I- I'm very interested to see what happens with him this offseason, but he's just such a likable dude. And him just talking about like... Now, to be fair, Nick Foles has had one good game. I think two. He was awful against he the Falcons. Awful. He was awful in the first quarter. He was pretty bad. Quarter, he was pretty quarter, bad. He, was he turned the ball over four times. He did. He did. But I will say, like, the second half, Nick Foles was good. I, I think he he recovered. Nick Foles has played pretty much two good games since he's retaken the starting job. I don't think it's going to mean too much in the long run. But if he wins a Super Bowl, he's probably – would you say he's probably the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl? Uh, no, I think I'd rather have him than Trent Dilfer. Dilfer was a good backup, though. Like, a really, really, really good backup. I would still take him. Maybe maybe 14 Manning, because he was pretty oh, bad. Oh, Joe Flacco. That year. You would take Nick Foles over Flacco? Yes. No. This year especially, yes. <laughs> so, if you're, all right, if, you're, if you're the Ravens then, this offseason, regardless of what happens... Do you make a move for Foles? I would be firing Marty Morningweg anyway. Like that's I want a whole new offense. Well, I'm doing. I'm writing a blank check to either to get Gary Kubiak back, or just I, I don't know. Rick Dennison's now available, but he's a pretty divisive figure, and he just got let go by the Bills. But I don't know. I Nick Foles. I don't think solves their issues. Well, either way, I just dropped a new quarterback. Um, if I was the Ravens, actually. I don't know if they're going to be able to get a good one where they're drafting. Although, it seems like teams don't like Lamar Jackson, which... Wherever he ends up going, I think he'll be a good quarterback. So, we'll see about that. Only you saw Bill Pullian uh, refer to him as a wide receiver in the NFL. Bill Pullian's an idiot. Bill Pullian is stupid. I've seen people walk out of Bill Pullian 
press conferences and just shake their heads and they're they're like, man, this dude does not have the mental capacity to be able to work a job anymore in sports. <laughs> Damn. Because he had no. I mean, people don't like. There are a few people in sports who like don't have a lot of respect for other people in the industry. And Polian, I mean, he did a great job, but he's just like mentally, he's old. He isn't all the way there anymore. Mm. So everything he says should be taken with a bit of a grain of salt, in my opinion. Yeah, but uh, we, we've talked. To- he is actually he was the one who really epitomized Moneyball to me. Uh, in the NFL in the late 2000s, early 2010s with the Colts, because he built that defense based on the pieces that no other team was looking for. And the defense wasn't ever very, they weren't ever amazing, but they were good enough so that he was able to build a nice defense behind Peyton Manning. And he really was the one who steamrolled that process. And now he's one of the people who says he's anti-analytics. Well, clearly he just doesn't even know how they're being applied. If he can say that after the way he built his defense literally by uh, minim- by uh, capitalizing on a marketed efficiency. Can I say another thing about the Vikings-Eagles game that I thought was super interesting and also just really demoralizing if you're a Vikings fan? As great as the Minnesota Miracle was, and it's probably going to be the most iconic moment of this playoff season, so at least the Vikings fans will always have that. Shout out to Eric. But, you know, this is I thought was interesting. According to NFL research, the last five teams that won a playoff game on a touchdown in sudden death or as time expired, like the Vikings did, they lost their next game by an average of 23 points. So it's actually kind of a negative if you end like on some kind of crazy game ending uh, touchdown like that. It's actually a huge detriment the following week. So there was so much letdown potential in that game. And it's like, why were the Eagles not favored? Especially because you knew Vegas knew that. You knew that they could look up the how teams have fared after getting uh, some kind of huge emotional win the week before in the playoffs. That this letdown was almost like it should have been expected. I mean, they weren't favored because money was coming on the Vikings. Yeah. Vegas always knows. So that's why they weren't favored. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, but uh, the Vikings had a great season, and now they are entering maybe the my favorite offseason storyline of what happens with Bridgewater, Bradford, and Keenan. Well, the one thing that that game helped them is I, I don't think that they need to feel beholden to signing Case Keenum to a long-term deal now. Did you see Zimmer's comments? He was non-committal on bringing him back, so I don't think Keenum's coming I back. don't think they're going to yeah. do it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do it either. If I had to bet, I think... Bradford's their starter week one. They draft a quarterback in the first round this year. I think they're going to sign somebody else. Kirk, I think Teddy's good. I don't think it'll be, I think it's gonna be someone a little bit, um, they might bring back case, but I think they keep Teddy and I think they draft somebody. I don't think Teddy wants to be there anymore. I don't know about that. He's going to be a starter somewhere else. Like he's already said he he wants to be a starter next year and I don't think they're going to hand him the keys. I think he's the least likely starter for the Vikings next he, year. He has a very strong support system there, and we'll see. I mean, I could see a, a I, my issue is I don't think he'll be handed a starting spot anywhere because he does doesn't really have a track Ooh, I disagree. record. Disagree. I think there are a couple spots that he could start right away if he's healthy. But I don't, I don't think he'd be handed the spot. Mm, I don't know. So can I list the teams that I think would hand him the spot if he signed with them this offseason? Mm-hmm. One, the Broncos. They're not going to sign him. I don't know. Maybe. He, he's not He's not their type of quarterback. 
I like him with. They're gonna draft. They're gonna draft Allen. Or I Mayfield, want them to draft Mayfield so bad. I think he'd be so much fun there. Um, Browns. I think they're gonna draft Allen. I mean, the Browns would make the most sense, but I actually think that that's where Cousins should. No, Cousins should go. stay all the way away from them. No, I do not want Kirk Cousins anywhere near the Browns. I think if they pay him a lot of money. Still that, say no. With Todd Haley, that could be fun. Although, did you see Mike Pettin's interview? Loved it. And I love him just openly being like, I have no interest in ever coaching again. He's just super upfront about it. No, he wants I to mean, coach. I mean, as a head coach. A head coach. Yeah. Like the Browns defeated his whole nice... approach to being a head coach in the NFL. He's like, I'm done with this forever. It's a nice realization, though. Like, he's right. Not everyone wants to be a principal in the school. Sometimes you just want to be a teacher. I like that. I like that analogy a lot. And it's better for these guys to um, figure it out. And it's not a negative if you go the Dick LeBeau route or the Wade Phillips route or, you know, I think even Norv Turner probably should have just been an offensive coordinator for a long time and he would have been fine. But, yeah, I think that's true for a lot of guys that they are better off just as a coordinator versus a head coach. But, yeah, and then there was – I think the Ravens would be interesting for Bridgewater. Yeah, but they have Flacco, so that's not going to happen. Dolphins? They have Tannehill and Cutler. Like I think Tannehill keeps that job next year. I think they're going to draft somebody and Tannehill gets the job until he's injured. I think that that's probably fair. And then the last one. That would, that would be a smart move. The last one. This is my wild card, I guess. The Redskins. I, maybe. Because I think they're a team that's I don't know what gonna they're going to do with this card. I don't think Jay Gruden's going to want to draft another quarterback in the first round. I think that they're going to go after Alex Smith. I, I, I've already said in the podcast where I think Alex Smith is starting week one next year. It's the Browns. I think he is your week one starter. Uh, I think well, the Browns are uh, trading for Alex Smith and they're going to take Josh Allen number one overall. You heard it here first, folks. We'll see. I think they... I have no other takes. And then we got the whole, uh, is there, a, well, I was going to say there might be a feud over who gets the number. Cause I think, doesn't Allen wear 11 or is he 17? Does Allen wear 11 or 17? It's one of the two. There, it's not a feud. Alex Smith gets he the does? number. Oh, but Josh Allen, yeah. he had the big bleacher report profile a year ago that, uh, alerted everyone that he has a very strong chance of going number one overall. I think he's going number one overall. I think so too, and he sucks. And it's kind of funny. I'm, I was waiting no, for your Josh Allen. I know you. Oh hate my him. god! I know you hate his. I, so no, it's not that no, I hate him. Like I don't him hate Josh Allen. Is... No, it's not that I hate Josh Allen. It's that he's not good. Like, okay, explain it. If you what look are you at his number film that makes you think that Josh Allen's not going to be. It's good. not a film thing. I don't even need to talk about film with Josh Allen. Josh Allen completed less than sixty percent of his passes as a uh, college quarterback, and the only first round quarterbacks to in the past like 16 years or so to complete less than 60% of their passes and go in the first round is like Kyle Baller, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Jason Campbell. Like, they're all bad. Jake Locker. Every quarterback is bad that he's compared to. He's, he's able to improvise a little bit. He has a huge arm. He's big and mobile. So he has some traits, but – if you want, if you're telling me I'm going to be able to take him like in the second round or the third round, and I can develop him a bit, I'm fine with that. I would take him in round two. I would be more open to that because if you put him in a system and you give him time to learn, 
I'm cool with that. But if you take him number one overall, you're implying that he is the guy in your franchise. And to me, that's like, I mean, I don't want to say it's Christian Hackenberg, but damn, he looks a little bit like Christian <laughs> Hackenberg. And which I still think he was mismanaged too, even though he wasn't a great quarterback in college either. Because if you take him in round two, you have to at least play him a little bit. You can't just like hide him on the bench for four years. I'm ready for that big piece on Christian Hackenberg and how he went from that freshman year with Bill O'Brien to what he ended up becoming. He got broken somewhere. I don't know what happened. He got broken somewhere. There though. has to be a big story There's behind that. I want the story on that because it's just, it's almost like a Markel Fultz situation where there was just so much talent and then it just evaporated and it just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, my takes on the quarterbacks this year, though, I think that Baker and Lamar Jackson, to me, have the highest upside and are two of the best. And then I think uh, Rosen is probably – I want to like him more than I do. He reminds me a lot of Eli. So I think he'll be inconsistent, but he can definitely start for a team. Darnold scares me a little bit. His arm's not as good as people think it is. Small hands. He reminds me. I don't even know about his hands. I've already seen people his hands. I think there was like a picture of him and Rosen like shaking hands before a UCLA USC game, and they, there was like a close up visual of how much bigger Rosen's hands he are some than issues. Darnold's. I, I don't know. He had some issues against man coverage when I watched him, and he I don't think his arms as good year. as people. he was super his, accurate. His arm's not that good. Yeah. His arm is like not great. He remind and he reminded me a little bit of another ex USC quarterback, and that was Matt mm. Leinart. I think he's more um, mobile than Leinart. I think he probably has a slightly better arm than Leinart, but some of the issues that I saw were just not great. And I don't know if I would take him. Again, these are all probably quarterbacks who can work in certain contexts, but um, I don't think that they're as good as last year's quarterbacks. Hmm. It, although I guess true. I mean, Trubisky hasn't been quite as good as we want him to be, but Watson and Mahomes both look better than anyone in this class. Yeah, I think last year's class is going to be, especially the first. Unless year. Mayfield, unless Mayfield's Russell Wilson, which he could be. He has some amazing skills. I I think Baker Mayfield's great. And so many of these guys, I think, I don't know. I think last year's group, I think Deshaun Watson would have been awesome anywhere. I think you know. Patrick Mahomes would have been awesome on a lot of teams, especially the teams that were sniffing around, like Arizona, Pittsburgh. If he had wound up anywhere like that, he would have been awesome. Mitchell Trubisky, I, I don't know yet. I think him with Nagy is going to be a lot better, and then it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Elfrich being the OC there now. So they're going to do a lot of college stuff. Yeah, I think Trubisky got screwed by his play calling a bit. So I think he'll probably have a bounce back year. So I'm excited to see what he looks like next year. But – he also had awful receivers. His receivers were so he bad. He won a game without, I think, completing a pass to a receiver this season. His receivers were terrible. Yeah. But so there was the, the other one with this year. I think so many, and maybe this is a year-to-year situation. I'm just looking too much into this year. But like Lamar Jackson, so much of what he becomes is who he gets drafted to. And Josh Rosen, I think, the same way. Sam Donald's the same way. Baker Mayfield might be the safest pick to me like i could see him flourishing on just about any any team in today's nfl i think he's the most like nfl ready but lamar jackson but like i could just see a huge discrepancy depending on where he gets drafted like him on the browns versus him getting drafted by like i don't know the bills or something or you know there's a lot of teams that i think like if you put rosen on the giants and he gets to stay behind eli for a couple games like that's a perfect situation for him i think if he goes to the 
Giants, but if like Darnold goes to the Jets or the Browns, I could definitely see him busting or even just like Washington or I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it just depends on where these guys end up and we're less about them and more about the team that drafts them. I guess we're in agreement. Yep. <laughs> who would you say is the safest of the four? Who would you, if you were a GM of a team, who would you feel safest as of right now of drafting? And I guess of the five, because we should include Josh Allen. I think we're getting five quarterbacks in the first round. I don't think you should draft based on safeness. Well, I even if you don't, who would you be most comfortable drafting right now? Number one overall. I feel like you're going to say well, Jackson. Well, the thing is that I need a system around all my quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Baker Mayfield, I think on the field, I can do the most with Baker Mayfield right now. But I'm scared about his off field a little bit because I do think that he's the kind of person who, if he comes into a locker room, he's going to be the guy in the locker room. And he's a very polarizing personality. And some people don't like that. And that's something that as a GM, I have to work with my coaches on to to make work. I think that Lamar Jackson, had, we have a comparison for him. We have Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. And I, they've improved the same way in college. And I think that they're similar pros. And you just need to bring Lamar around that sort of track and build a team around Lamar like the Titans did around Marcus. Like, I think if Lamar has been a team that has a good O-line, good running game, uh, he's going to be a very, very good pro. Uh, his numbers might not be quite as good as people seem to think they're going to be, but he has a lot of upside. I like Josh Rosen a lot, too. He just needs a little bit more time to adjust, and I'm scared he's going to be a very inconsistent quarterback. I think that he takes a lot of chances, and we fall in love with some of them, but he's going to throw some bad picks, which uh, I don't know if, if I'm worried about job security. I'm not sure I want to deal with that and Darnold and – Allen to me are too far away to really call right now. So I would say in a vacuum, probably Baker Mayfield would be my number one. Uh, and then if I had to take other things into consideration uh, in terms of the off field and locker room dynamics, I'd probably go with Lamar Jackson, but both of those two are my two favorite quarterbacks in the draft. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I think either way, the NFL is going to get more fun when they have Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield under center. I think Rosen might scare me the most. His shoulder stuff, like he missed a lot of time and it seemed like he had some long-term degenerative issues with his shoulder that they were really concerned if he played football again, I feel like at some point in the last year. I, I'm a little concerned about his ability to take hits at the NFL level. So that's why I like... Well, we just ran into a top pick having shoulder issues and we saw what happened. So... Yeah. In Markel. <laughs> that's... Yeah. So... Imagine if the quarterback wasn't able to lift his arm above his shoulder. Yeah, that would that seems like that would be a problem, but who knows? You spoke a little bit about the Mariota stuff, and they can't find an offensive coordinator right now. Like Mike Vrabel is their new head coach, and it was clear that you know it, it, McDaniel's was probably number one pick or at, for their head coach, but he's going to Indy, and you know Vrabel he coached a very lackluster. Texans defense this past year but it seems like he's beloved by players and Romeo Cornell spoke very highly of him a lot of former Pats have spoken highly about him and it seems like he has a lot more um, variety in his coaching resume I mean he was at Ohio State for a while and he tried to get the Ohio State OC 
to come aboard and become the Titans OC, but he reportedly decided to stay under Urban Meyer because he's now getting play calling privileges. So that was a better job for him. And, you know, I think it's a huge hire for them. And I, I'm very interested to see what happens because a lot of good offensive minds have been gobbled up. Like Mike McCoy is now the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, which I like a lot under Steve Wilkes and North Turner just went to uh, Carolina and Ben McAdoo, I guess is probably going to be the next OC in Minnesota. It's interesting because a lot of wait, since uh, when, what, which one McAdoo, McAdoo, there was a report in the Tribune that he was the favorite and he's been the favorite. I could be wrong, but it seemed, I, I feel like I saw that the Vikings and Ben McAdoo was a, strong rumor yeah because it was him and mccoy were the two favorites and mccoy isn't gone i think mcadoo's gonna be the next offensive coordinator okay well listen here tennessee titans uh amy adams strunk mike vrabel hi first thanks for listening to the podcast um hire john morton john morton is so good the former jets offensive coordinator he was so good this year didn't he get fired for like not uh, on the field reasons, he got fired. Not he got fired because of uh, locker room reasons. Because there was a mutiny in that locker room with the veterans against the rookies, and he sided with the younger players. Well, by the way, he should have sided with them in the first place. Um, yeah, John Morton's a really good OC, and you should hire him. I wonder where he ends up because I don't think he ends up in Tennessee. It seems like they're going to go someone who is more spread heavy and more. John Morton's super spread well, heavy. Uh, is he though? Yeah, he okay. is. That's what they ran in New York. They ran a spread. Maybe they should go John Morton. Maybe that's the guy. I think it is. I think they got to go John Morton. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really know who else you can go after at this point. Who would make sense? Oh, I know. Lane Kiffin. Lane no. Train. Let's bring him in Tennessee. Maybe they could steal... Uh... Ugh, there's this dude. The new Patriots OC is probably going to be this quarterback coach whose name I'm going to totally botch, but he's their assistant. He's a quarterback's coach right now. And I could see a team trying to steal him away. I'm going to look him up one second. It could be John Filippo, I guess, from Philly. I don't know who else. I, I actually like Filippo a lot. He's a good coach. Daryl Bevel? Um, no, no. Oh, but wait—they ruined their team. The oh, Seahawks. I had a Those huge rant. I can tell you this in the podcast last week because I was I, sick. I, was, I spent um, a minute because I got so angry about the Brian Schottenheimer hire. I might actually—I did listen to the podcast last week, but this might have been when I was deliriously <laughs> sleeping. So, please go. Uh, can I just like basically? I—it's—it's I, it's a fucking atrocity that Brian Schottenheimer got another offensive coordinator job and that they led everyone on that they were going to go this new innovative route. And they were kind of tired of the same old, same old with Daryl Bevel. And this offense was capable of more and Russell Wilson was capable of more. And they were going to go with a more college heavy route. And then they hired Brian Schottenheimer who sucked at Georgia, sucked at New York, sucked at St. Louis. And it's just, I don't understand how he keeps, he did not deserve three offensive coordinator jobs. This is insanity. Want to know why he gets jobs? Because his dad's Marty Schottenheimer. I just, I don't get it. He's so bad. Anyway, the Patriots coach I was talking about, his name is Jerry Shuplinski. 
They also brought back Ken Norton Jr., who got fired midseason in Oakland for running a terrible defense. I just, what are they doing? I think that 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 team, oh, can they get hard knocks next year? I want them to get hard knocks. I want to see what's going on there. I want to see Russell Wilson have to put on a happy face when they're doing the five-yard curl routes to Doug Baldwin and just asking him to make something of nothing. No more downfield throws to Paul Richardson. That's God. That might be the most dramatic team in the NFL. It sucks. I I I, I was I love, stunned when I, I saw love the Brian Schottenheimer thing. Suck. Worst hire of the offseason by far. I don't see a way that anyone can mess this up any more than what the Seahawks did. I I can't get over that. I guess if the Titans hire someone like McAdoo or something for Marietta would be pretty devastating. Like they have to go an innovative guy who can just really unleash Mariota in a fun way. So we'll see, but yeah. And then the other hire that I, that I had written down that I thought was interesting. I want to pick your brain on was Pat Shermer, who I think did a really great job in Minnesota. Obviously I think it's a sneaky good hire where it's like, they obviously were linked to the Belichick stuff, which was probably never going to happen, but I like him more than I do Patricia. And I think this is a better hire. Like, if I had to pick between like what who made the most sense for this team, I think I would have gone number one Wilkes. I think Wilkes is going to be awesome in Arizona. And I think he would have been really great in New York, but Shermer works too. And I think him hiring Becker from Arizona is a really good hire for his DC. Cause it was rumored Del Rio was going to come with him, which I wasn't a big fan of. And I think that's a much better decision on their part. And I think it's really good for Eli and it's good if they get Rosen and I don't know. I think it all makes sense. And I could see Odell Beckham really getting unleashed similar to what Stefan Diggs has done and just, and what Thielen's done and, and just guys like that. He's just found Shermer just did a really great job of getting everyone involved and everyone on the same page and making that offense hum just so efficiently and methodically all season with multiple quarterbacks and I just, I, I think that's going to be a really good hire, and I could see a huge bounce back even in year one for the Giants next year. My issue, my only issue with Shermer is that he was not a good head coach in Cleveland. He may have been the best head coach there in the last like ten years, though. He won four games. And the Browns won zero games this year. It's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, I think he's fine. I know he's been good for Minnesota this year. I've talked to some of my friends there, and they all seem to really like him. So. Uh, maybe he's gotten better. Uh, I could actually see him taking Case or Sam to Cleveland with him. That's where Wait, say it, it seems to me the to most. New York? I could see him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the New York. Sorry. Um, I could I could see that being a good landing spot for Sam Bradford because I don't think Eli is going to make it through the next Why year. I draft the quarterback either way. I don't. I think the plan would be that Agreed. what I would do is just keep Eli and then whenever he inevitably goes down or gets to i don't think you can bench him in back-to-back years <laughs> that would be really just brutal for a two-time super bowl champ but yeah i i think he's i mean they should just make him a backup now but that they're not no. gonna do that um yeah i, feel like I don't think that Bradford could be a good landing anymore. spot for like his knee stuff we talked about in the podcast during the year where it was just like the way they were describing his knee stuff it's just i don't see how that ever gets better i think he's just done his mm. knee, like, it's just, there's no cartilage left. It's just bone on bone. I don't understand how he could ever play. And, like, just seeing him, how hopeless he looked when he was out for a couple snaps. Do you remember that, like, towards the end of the year where they tried it? 
and it was clear that he was not right. And that was the last time we saw him. Uh, what week was that where they trotted him out? I feel like it was a primetime game where Bradford tried again and it just did not work. And he, his knee was clearly not right. And it just, that was it. I feel bad for him because it's just been brutal and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And Shermer was his best office coordinator he's had, especially going back to what those two did together in Philly and that first game against the saints this year, they look great together. And then he just went down. So we'll see maybe Teddy Bridgewater in New York. No, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think New York is can handle, they don't deserve Teddy Bridgewater first of all, but also I, I think you're right. They're going to draft a rookie, maybe have like one more veteran reserve and that that'll be the situation. But we'll see about how Sherbert manages the locker room because I don't know how well he did it in Cleveland. So I think there's going to be a It'll lot be, of changes this offseason. I mean, I don't think Matt Patricia would have been a good hire there, but I, I think Matt Patricia is going to be a, a pretty good hire in Detroit. I like that fit because I think he needed a GM who can work with him. And they're pretty patient in Detroit with their coaches. So he'll have some flexibility to put together the program he wants. I'm not as high on the Patricia stuff. I think there's a lot of room for that to bomb. Is Jim Bob Cruder staying or is he gone? Because Terrell Austin went to Cincinnati and he's in New DC, but I don't I haven't seen anything with Cooter. Is he getting another OC job? What, what happens with him? I don't think Patricia would keep him. I wouldn't think. I, I could see him keeping him. I don't know, but I don't see a scenario where both Patriots coordinators turn out to be huge successes. And if I had to bet on who has a successful head coaching job um, between McDaniels and Patricia. I think it's McDaniels and Indy. I wouldn't you bet on it just because you don't think it'll happen. I think he's just, I like McDaniels. Just because it's, it's like a rule of two. I, McDaniels both is not fine. I, actually, I just don't, I actually I don't see a scenario. Where I actually are. think that, that I don't think McDaniels and Ursay are a good match. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but they do, he does have luck there. Although I don't know if luck, is going to be able to play anymore. The luck stuff is super we fascinating. We have no idea Brissette, what's happening. And he knows Brissett and he's had, uh, there's a history there, which I'm certain had. <laughs> this entire thing is just a secret way to make Jacoby Brissett the new starter at Indianapolis. I think that would be the funniest What thing. if it was? They they haven't said anything. It's just like, we have to bring in a guy who knows Brissett and how to maximize him because we're not sure that Andrew Luck's ever playing football again. I mean, it really, really might be. Um. Yeah, I don't think Patricia's a good fit, though. I really like that fit in Detroit. That's a good organization. They're quietly in a pretty good position because Minnesota, they need to figure out their quarterback stuff. Green Bay is always up and down, and they're in a bit of uh, transition with their new GM, too. And Chicago is still in a bit of transition. I think Detroit has a chance to maybe assert itself in that division next year if they make some good personnel moves because they have a quarterback. And they have some receivers. They have some running backs. They have linemen. They just don't seem to have good situational awareness to put it all together. Maybe Patricia's the guy to help them there. I would. I think they're about to go the other way. If I had to bet, if I had to bet a team to finish last in the NFC North next year, it's the Lions. I Why? think Trubisky is going to have a huge jump. I think Nagy with that group, and he kept Vic Fangio, which I thought was a great So you move. trust Nagy over Patricia, even though Nagy coached like two games his entire career and also shat the bed against Tennessee? I think he's going to be great. Just hearing how beside himself he was at the play calling he did in the second half in the Titans game. I think Matt Nagy's a chance to be a really bad coach. Maybe. The, 
that might be a hot take, but we don't know. If you want to talk about someone getting a job based on nothing, that dude did absolutely nothing and got a coaching job. He co- he called plays for like six weeks. I don't care. I'm here for it. And then, I mean, John Filippo was rumored, like, didn't he interview for the Cardinals job and he hasn't really done anything and he's just the QB's coach? Uh, well, he was the offensive coordinator for a year, I guess, in Cleveland, but, and that was a bad year, but he did get. That's like taking, like, like Matt Nagy getting a coaching job is like taking someone who is a middle manager at a company and making them the CEO after six weeks in the newly promoted position. That's fair. But I would still, I, I would just it's bet just on so them being better. I, I just think that they're going to be a much better team next year. And then a full year of Aaron Rodgers, they're obviously going to be a number one or number two spot in the NFC North if he's healthy. And I think Mike Pettin's a really great defensive coordinator hire for them. And the upgrade from him over Dom Capers I do like Pettin. is huge. And they're going to spend this free, I like and they, this free agency period. I think we're going to see the Packers spend for the first time with Ted Thompson not being there anymore. I think that's like their biggest change is their new guy. I, I'm not even going to pretend to know how to pronounce his last name. Brian Gertzkerk. There you go. And I, I I don't know. I think they're going to be back. And then the Vikings just have too much talent to really fall apart. But I guess we'll have to see what happens with their coordinators. And so we always say, and then all these teams fall apart despite all their talent. No, who fell apart so, really this year that we weren't expecting? Look at the Seahawks. They didn't fall apart. They, the almost, Seahawks. they went 10 games or they 9 did. games. They did. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't fall apart. They, didn't they the did playoffs. not fall apart. They didn't make the playoffs. They did. They no. did. For them, that is They were fine. Yes, it is. The Packers and the Seahawks were the playoffs. Play- like, but now look at the Seahawks. They might lose half their good players. I wouldn't say they fell apart. That's a little. They already lost all the coaches. I don't know. The one surprise, I guess, would Cam be like the Raiders. We thought the Raiders were going to be like a staple in the AFC West, and that went the other way. Speak for yourself. I didn't think the Raiders were going to be that good this okay. year. I, I definitely had them penciled in to win the AFC West before the season. Look at the Seahawks now. Like They're going to lose Cam Chancellor. They're going to pro- – they might lose Michael Bennett. The Steelers won the division again. They are back. The Patriots – uh, the Cowboys weren't terrible. They fell off, but they weren't terrible. They make the playoffs. I mean, if, if you are a playoff team and don't make the playoffs next year, that year is a disappointment. I guess. I guess. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there, but I think it's interesting to monitor. I, I'm very interested to see how the Lions and Titans handle their offensive coordinator hires. I think that's going to be a huge thing because well, with Stafford and Mariota, coordinators matter a huge way for those two especially and how much better Stafford was especially this year he had an all-time year under uh, Jim Bob so I guess it would be wise for them to keep him on but I don't know what that relationship's like maybe Jim Bob goes back to Tennessee where he's from and coaches under Rabel I, I could see that too um yeah so we'll have to see how all of that goes and what happens there but I'm definitely interested do you have any XFL thoughts? Yes. I I like that it's coming back. I have the exact opposite take. And I'm a wrestling um, fan. I mean, so, all right. So here, here are my thoughts. First of all, yeah. I, so McMahons aren't ideal to bring it back because the McMahons are kind of like, fuck the McMahons. They kind of suck. Um, I, I like the timing. I think they should go after... 17 18 year olds and get them to do the xfl instead of going to college i would okay see that part i'm here for but i don't want it to be the xfl run by vince mcmahon i don't want i I want a different version i want something more like the usfl that's what i would prefer it i wish that hadn't bombed and that had become the new 
um, minor league system where you have like here's Jim the Hazlitz issue though and, like wasn't Dennis Green a coach and like, so, that's, right, so, so here's the thing they did that no one went to those yeah. games because they couldn't get any marketing money because no one's gonna go to a game to watch Jim Hazlitt coach true no one's gonna go to a game to watch an also ran quarterback try to play you're gonna go if you have like exciting no new talent at the game, game either and they're expanding people go People go to the G League games. Oh, I need to show you some attendance figures and how much those guys are making. Well, yeah, but they're not going to be in like they're going to be in smaller stadiums where people go. It's part of the thing also. Games. Like AAA games. Yeah, they, they do for sure, hundred percent. And I think people would go to minor league football games too. But the big thing is, people have to have a reason to see the talent. They're not going to go to watch Dante Culpepper's ghost throw passes. If you give me like a five star recruit and have him play for three months, fuck yeah, I'll go watch that. Yeah. Go for the college kids. Pay the college kids. I would kids, just stay away if I was a parent. Would you want your kid to play for Vince McMahon's professional football league? I'd rather he get paid and have insurance than oh, he's not getting insurance. go to college. That would be private. well. They'll give them it. Professional wrestlers don't get insurance, and the way that professional wrestlers have to deal with being independent contractors and everything else. There's a lot of stuff with that and Vince McMahon and his way of doing business. There are some different logistics in football though, that are different from wrestling. Yeah. I'll have to go back and see how they handled this stuff. And so I think, I, but I'm upset about it and we already, I already just know where this is going and we're maybe 24 hours away from Trump congratulating Vince McMahon reviving this and just him already openly in that interview. It was just sad to me that he's like it was just a depressing q a that he did and i just i don't think it's a success i don't think this is a good idea at all I, this is not I, it's the worst timing i think ever to bring another football league into existence because it's just with the way concussions everything else is going like i don't think uh the nfl i mean the xfl is going to be more cautious and more um, proactive in shielding guys because I think they're pivoting towards this being an alternative to the NFL of like our players are going to stand for the anthem and this that and the other and I just I, I just think this is just going to be more polarizing and divisive and just I don't I don't want it at all. Uh, well, if if they're smart, what they should do is recruit the high school kids. That's not going to happen. This McMahon doesn't turn care it, about any of they that. They should turn it into an well. This is my. Okay, world. I was going to say, Vince McMahon only watches do. WWE. That is all he does. He doesn't keep up with pop culture. He Don't doesn't... go after the NFL. You can't beat the NFL. Like you're not going to do it. Go after the NCAA because the only people who give a shit about the NCAA are people who have nothing else to do or who want to watch college prospects. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Bring in the college prospects. Bring them in. Let them get paid. They're not going to go to college now, and and they they don't. I don't want to say every student athlete does this because 90% of student athletes I know have a really tough time in terms of balancing a schedule of academics and also schedule of athletics. So I, I'm not saying that this is a typical case, but there are a lot of people who go to college to play football who don't have any incentive to try in class or don't try in class. And, you know, you hear the argument like, oh, you're going for a scholarship and then you're not really going for a scholarship. And there are a lot of high school recruits whose parents need money. This is a way for them to make money. So pay, pay the high school students. That's all I ask for. I think if they do that, you can market to people who want to watch like the newest, latest and greatest. They can still go to the NFL because the NFL's rules are just three years out of high school. 
I think it could work. I am, let me be clear. I am 100% with you on finding alternatives to kids going to college, especially football over everything else of finding a minor league system. And that's why I brought up the USFL. I just think the XFL is the least likely option that's going to be long-term viable. It's going to be around. It's going to keep these guys safe and it's going to put them in good situations. And I just, I don't think that's how it's going to go, but you can't even get Johnny Manziel in there. And he's already talking about like getting Tim Tebow there. Like that was something he answered. He like, he welcomed every Tebow. single game. Every single game will be Tim Tebow versus Colin Kaepernick. There is a every 0% game. chance Vince McMahon's allowing Colin Kaepernick and the XFL. It would be so funny though. Uh, it would, it would actually sound, it would sound that would be funny. It would just be like, Typical, typical. Well, Johnny Manziel can't get in because people I've seen tweet about that and Manziel tweeted about it. Vince McMahon already said that anyone who has any sort of arrest is not allowed in. Yeah, that's a little much. He's, yeah, apparently no one who has an arrest record can get into. It's going to, it's going to be a league full of, it's going to be a league full of like shitty players. Yeah, it's going to be washed out NFL players. Like it's not going to be some college. Oh, no, it's going to be eighteen-year-olds right. who are spurning college. So, I will go ahead and confer. I, I, just I will go. Ahead, I will eat crow in twenty twenty if this if I'm completely wrong. One, I'm not hundred percent certain this is going to exist, and because this is still two years out, and I could see a lot going another way. But you know, it's just this is just going to be a disaster. It's going to be polarizing. It's going to be something that is full of has beens and guys just trying to get back in the NFL. And it's uh, no, no, thank you. So to bring it all full circle, because I honestly had only just seen the announcement about this. Um, yeah, that's a good idea to have another league, but the way that this one's being structured already, it sounds like it's going to be not the one that we want. Yeah. So, oh, well, bring back the USFL, really make it worthwhile. Give these high school kids a better option. Like, that would be what I would want is something like that. But, you know, I don't think the NFL has any interest in working to get their own minor league system because they like having these superstar names come in from college. They like the relationship with NCAA. So I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, even though it certainly should. So we're on the same page there. If we can gut college football, the more we can, the better for these athletes. And, you know, that's I'm on the same page with you. I just don't think the XFL is the answer. Vince McMahon is never the answer to making things right in the world. I would say. I agree. All right, that's a good way of ending it. Um, thank you for taking the time, Ethan. It's good to have you back on the podcast. Are we going to do a big Super Bowl preview next week? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's be back next week for the Super Bowl preview. Hopefully. Um, I'll have a lot of takes. I'll die. I'm going to do a deep dive into both these teams and just my thoughts and all of that, but it's going to be fun. Um, maybe I'll go ahead and send out an interview request for Terrell Owens and see if we can get him on to talk about the 04 game. Good luck. <laughs> I know I'll, I'll tell Terrell that he should be in the hall of fame. In fact, oh, he is in both this total travesty. I agree. I'm here for it. We can both do that. So I'll see what I can do and see if I can get uh, T.O. on the podcast. He covered NFL 2K5, didn't he, after that season? Or is that the same season? He played. Didn't he have, like, screws in his leg in that game? And he still had a huge day against the Pats? Yeah, he no, he was He played super sick, injured. I... No, I think he had, like, screws in his leg. Well, either way, he did have a good game that game. He did. People criticize him, but he, he came to play in that Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm looking at... He had two screws and a metal plate were inserted in his ankle. Still went off. Metal screws. 
Unbelievable. Love T.O. He should be a Hall of Famer. Anyway, I think we could talk about football and everything else all night, but we need to go. Ethan, we can find you on Twitter at Ethan Ham, and we will be back next week. Uh, hopefully, you're 100%. You're at 90, which is good. So keep getting better and uh, make sure you have a full recovery so that we are back and ready to go to preview the Super Bowl next week. So I'm excited, and we will talk then. All right, on the line now, Evan Davis. The stove had been cool for a while. People were complaining. There were conspiracy posts. Greg Calcaterra could not understand a John Heyman column that was written a few days ago. There was questions around what's going on with the agents. Why is no one getting signed? Why is you Darvish still sitting out there? Less questions about why Eric Hosmer is sitting out there, but questions nonetheless. Now, the stove, it's sizzling. It is officially a hot stove again because the Milwaukee Brewers are trading for everybody, signing everybody, and, you know, they're going for it. Yeah, it's fun, right? Uh, You know, the Brewers obviously played above their heads last year and almost got a wild card spot. Um, But when you look at the basically the same lineup from last season and projected it forward to 2018, you kind of thought, oh, this team's going to take a huge step back. I mean, they have tons of, and still do have tons of uh, uh, up-the-middle issues. Um, their middle infield is some mixture of Jonathan VR, Eric Sogard, and Orlando Arcia. Their catchers are Manny Pena and Stephen Vogt. Like, these guys don't inspire a lot of confidence. And their starting rotation is still full of question marks, um, with Jimmy Nelson coming back. Uh, from shoulder issues and beyond him, you have Zach Davies and Chase Anderson to kind of mop up innings, but those bottom two rotation spots still need to get filled. Um, However, they think you're looking a lot better for them now than they were just a few hours ago as we're recording this. Now that they have, they traded for Christian Yelich and, and they signed Lorenzo Cain. This is, one of the most scariest outfields in baseball right now. And they still have a ton of flexibility to do things, uh, you know, because what is it? They still have Keon Broxton. Uh, they still have Domingo Santana. Uh, they still have Brett Phillips. These are pieces that could easily bring back um, an arm in a trade. Um, they still have tons of payroll flexibility. They could go out and sign you Darvish. They could go out and sign, Jake Arietta, Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn, basically they, everything is in con- their control right now. I think, you know, a, few, a couple of months ago, if you'd asked me who had won the winter, I would have said the angels based on everything that they done, did really early, but man, the brewers are starting to creep up and suggest that maybe they can, maybe they can, maybe they can challenge for a wild card spot. I, I didn't think that that was going to be possible. I thought there was going to be some pretty heavy regression this coming season, but now Man, the world's their oyster. The top NL Central is going to be super fascinating. And a lot of these teams are going to win a lot of games because I think the Reds are going to be bad again. And the Pirates have now ejected from even trying to contend anymore. So if they're sellers, the Reds are still super young and they're still basically sellers. Then you have, I mean, the Cardinals just traded for 
Yelich's teammate. <laughs> they already dove in a little bit because they couldn't get John Carlos Stanton, so they got Marcelo Zuna, and they were kind of linked to Yelich, and they've been linked to other guys like you Darvish and other big names. And you know, I wonder what this does with them. I'm more interested to see how the Cubs and the Cardinals react to the Brewers just suddenly deciding, you know what? Yes, we overachieved and we're ahead of schedule, but we're also going to expedite this process. And I think that's kind of cool. And I, I... Like that they're putting pressure on the Cardinals and the Cubs. I, I totally agree with that. I think that one of the ancillary reasons for such a cold offseason that's been proffered is that not too many divisions are competitive right now um, because so many teams are live. you know, there's maybe five or six teams kind of living at the top and everybody else um, behind them. So, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox should be a legitimate division race. Otherwise, what? Cleveland's got the AL Central already sewn up. Houston's taking care of the AL West. The Dodgers are in control of the NL West. Nationals are going to win another NL East title. And it looked as though the Cubs were probably going to do the same thing. So you're absolutely right. The Cardinals have retooled. They're probably going back to the playoffs again. Uh, the Cubs haven't really done anything major um, besides a couple of small-ish moves um, to help the rotation, to help the bullpen, but they haven't splashed. They, you know, they keep being connected to you, Darvish, but they're not getting the deal done yet. Um, they could probably take a run at another outfielder just to have his backup. Uh, there's things that they probably should be doing, and they're not because they think they feel a little comfortable. So totally, I mean, when your division nominal division rival goes up and nabs the best position player on the market who isn't named J.D. Martinez and goes and trades for the best outfielder on the trade market, uh, you need to take a really, really strong look at what your lineup is and to make sure that you stay in control of that. So maybe this brings them back to the negotiating table with Darvish's people, maybe gets his price up a little bit, secure his services. Maybe they think outside the box for a couple of other moves. I don't know. You're right. I mean, the Cardinals, they could probably, I mean, there's still maybe some infield questions there, especially at third base. Um, Do they go out and sign Mike Moustakis? You know, they were potentially looking at Josh Donaldson in a trade that didn't happen. Um, yeah, this, you're right. This this shuffles the deck uh, uh, a little bit for, for the division rivals. And if there's any way to try and create a market and to drive up prices for players, it's to create that interdivisional competition. So the NL Central is all of a sudden in the mix right now. Yeah, and I think it's going to be the most interesting division in baseball. And I think a lot of these teams... it. it if I had to bet, I guess this feels like kind of what happened in the NL West from this past year, where we're going to have three teams that win a lot of games, like the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Dodgers. I think you're going to see that in the NL Central, where there's the two NL Central wildcard teams are going to, are the two NL Central uh, teams that finish behind the winner are going to face each other in the wildcard. Excuse me. I think that's kind of where we're headed because both these teams are clearly going all in. I'm still, I'm sure you are too now, really high on all three of them. And it's hard yeah. for me to, this is, you know, who really gets screwed here is the NL West teams that overachieved a year ago because now the Rockies, it's like, oh no, what are we doing? I mean, we sat, we signed Wade Davis. Now what? Or, I mean, having, um, just the kind of season that they had expecting that to 
happen again next year seems a little silly, but you know, you haven't even mentioned, and I think it's honestly, in my opinion, very disrespectful, the Giants not going out <laughs> and getting older. While everyone's zigging, the Giants are zacking, signing Austin Jackson, trading for McCutcheon, trading for Evan Longoria. So maybe that's what woke up the Brewers of like, hey, the Giants think that they can really realistically get in the playoffs this year. Why can't we? That's right. Yeah. What's the what's the point of uh, nabbing up every guy at past the age of thirty five? Um, if you can help Who's it, left that they could sign that's old and just decrepit at this point. Well, the Giants. I mean, Giants. speaking of the Giants, I mean, I think that they're certainly going to be calling. You know, Bobby Evans is probably calling David Stearns about Domingo Santana right now, um, mm. and, and maybe and maybe in the mix for Broxton. I don't know what kind of package Stearns would be interested in, but I think those are the guys that are next on the chopping block um, because there's just no room for them. I mean, you can't, you can't move bronze contract at this point. Um, the best you could probably do was to move him to first base and keep Santana in the outfield. Um, but I think with Santana's profile, you can probably get some, you can probably get a package back. Um, I don't know what pitching San Francisco would be willing to part with. I mean, their farm is barren, but also the brewers aren't making these moves to reload their farm, their farm's actually pretty good right now. So if they're moving major league talent, it's to get major league talent back. Um, but I think Santana has to be the next guy to go um, because they they got they need rotation help. I mean, if, if the Brewers are going to be legitimate contenders in the Central, they have to get more arms. Um, you were talking about the NL West. I think the team that's really frustrating me is the Diamondbacks. The idea that the Diamondbacks. Uh, are, are somehow not if they I don't know how the Diamondbacks haven't signed JD Martinez yet, and they're not I'm even right there with and him. they're not even in the conversation for him. You know, it's it's a market of one with the, with Boston and you know Ken Kendrick, the the managing partner, and Derek Hall, the president of the of the team, have both come out and said that they're not going to raise payroll. That's insane to me. I mean, if there's a bigger culprit besides a team like the Marlins or I don't know. We could probably name a lot of teams that are that are frustrating um, for the way that they've behaved this offseason. I think the Diamondbacks. But are the Marlins still frustrating? That's another well, layer to this because now does Derek Jeter get any credit for what he got in this deal for Yelich? Because he was very clear that this was the guy that they were hoping to get the most value back for, and they got a lot of value. They got yeah. like three of the top ten prospects in the Brewer system. It's it's pretty debatable. Good. I mean, it's debatable. It's and at the, at the very yeah. least, it's two of the top ten, and and one of them being the number one overall, Lewis Brinson. But uh, He's from yeah, the area, right? you know, I I don't think that I don't think that they get any credit because this is a situation that they themselves created and could have avoided. Um, they could have kept their entire outfield, and they could have kept D Gordon, and they, you know, Real Muto's getting shot. Like they could still keep him. They had kept all five of those players, and just have been willing to splash 60 or 70 million dollars on a couple of free agent starters all of a sudden that team is interesting so you know and all the excuses that they threw up as to the reason why um, they had to shed payroll are spurious at best and downright negligent and infuriating at worst so no I don't give Derek Cheater any credit for trading Yelich for a bunch of good prospects Um, but with the Diamondbacks the Diamondbacks were really good last year. They were legitimately good. They all of a sudden put together a really, really good team. And 
they play in the fifth or sixth largest city in America and, you know, a top 10 media market by greater metropolitan area. And you're a winning team and you have Zach Grinke and you have Paul Goldschmidt and you're also and telling you trade away a bunch of number one picks and to win now. And well, that was, you know, the regime before, uh, but all this, well, I mean, that's still what that happened. Like they were a win. They were, they've been in win now mode. Right, right, right. Get Grinky. You don't make these trades. You don't acquire Shelby Miller. Like you right. can't back off now. That makes well, no right. sense to me. I think that uh, the argument could have been made that when they brought Mike Hazen in, that they needed to retool a little bit because all of a sudden they had big money contracts and they gave away one of the best prospects in baseball for a pitcher who looked like a shell of his former self. That being said, they accelerated their window really, really quickly. They were legitimately good last year. And you're telling me that you can't push payroll past $120 million. You're really telling me that when you have serious need for an outfielder, when you could easily, you know, upgrade some infield options, you could add an arm. Like there are lots of things that the Diamondbacks could be doing. And granted, they're projected to be a playoff contender again, but like, why not, secure your position for the long term, especially because you have Goldschmidt on such a team friendly contract, especially because you have Granke until he's 37 years old, like do something like it's, 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 well, it's January 25th, Evan. And I'm going to go ahead and rule out the Diamondbacks making the playoffs this year. And it's the way that Milwaukee has behaved suggests to me that Arizona has missed an opportunity and they only have themselves yep. to blame for it. It's pretty shameful. Unless I, they re-sign Martinez, who knows? Maybe the longer he's out there, the better it looks for them. But and I, maybe I what we're going to see is they're going to go the cheap route. Like they're going to sign who makes the most sense of like the alternative of like trying to keep fans happy, like Carlos Gonzalez or something. Oh God. And that would be so unfortunate. I mean, that's basically, you know, a they would sell that as like, Oh, we got this former, he was awesome in Colorado. And yeah, but then, I mean, you already have Yasmani Tomas in the lineup. Like, why would you add a second version of him? Um, yeah. that's, I, I think if I hope that Mike Hazen is smarter than that, I mean, if you, if he thinks he can win 85, 86 and potentially push that to 88 games this year with what he's got or, go out and try and get somebody like cargo. I mean, I'd say probably save your money, but that point is there are better guys than cargo. Um, yeah, go get one of them. I, I, I'm, I'm just really, I'm really baffled. And, and, and if I were, if I were a diamondbacks fan, I'd be pretty pissed off at this ownership group um, for the way that they've behaved, particularly this year when they have a better front office um, and when they have so much money to spend and when they're, and then when their window opened, you know, their window wasn't yeah. open two years ago when they signed Granky. It's open and now. It's still kind Fucking of do open it. right now. If you bring back Martinez, like this is that's a what I mean. And I would pencil. Yeah, it's just it's just like we're we're both angry about it. Like I actually <laughs> think what they're doing is worse to me than what the Marlins are doing. That's what I'll say. I, I think not, being that close bothers me more. I I don't think the Marlins had a path to being good. Their farm system was trash. They didn't have the pitching. They didn't have. They just had these three good outfielders, and I would have sold high on them. They didn't get the best deals for all three, but I think what they got for Yelich is step in the right direction. So they're in a wait and see mode, and the NL East is on lock for at least another year with the Nationals. And I think the Braves are going to start making bigger moves sooner rather than later. Alex Anthopoulos, I don't think, has any interest in a long term rebuild since he got there, and I think he was brought in partly. 
because they're trying to expedite this rebuilding process similar to the Milwaukee Brewers. And then you have, I mean, the Phillies, we'll see how much longer they put up with their rebuild that's kind of sneakily been a disaster. And then, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I could understand why the Marlins decided to eject right now. But the Diamondbacks don't have that same fallback option because we saw how good they were last year with jd martinez and paul goldschmidt and yeah. zach Grinke and their bullpen and just up yeah. and down the roster like it's solid like, yeah and you still have aj pollock and yeah there's just yeah. There's, there's just too much talent there and somehow jake lamb is still hanging around and, and that middle infield which i thought was going to be a nightmare actually didn't play so badly so uh, yeah i mean it's every team who I mean, I, I think you and I will probably just disagree on the Marlins thing. Like, I think that if they just, if Jeter had decided to go the other direction and actually spend money on pitching, they could have been good. But they still have the excuse of the I think fact that they are. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a huge part of that. And they the, just and don't I, know what they're doing. They don't know how to handle yeah, yeah. this. All of it just comes out so bad when they talk. It just, yeah. it's just nothing but bad And also, looks. like, we know that the reasons for the rebuild isn't yes. to get better in three years. It's to shed money and 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 increase the profits on the on the stadium so they're still screwed but they can still potentially use the excuse of well our window just isn't now as cover and other teams out there can do the same thing you know the white Sox can do the same thing the braves can do the I mean, same thing you for right now but if like, you were a mets fan you should have a you have a better reason to be pissed at your team than marlins fans right now well, yeah, and, and I'm just I'm just circling back to your point. Like teams like the Mets and teams like the Diamondbacks have absolutely zero excuses because they've their payrolls are are middling, and there's enough there's enough talent there to make them good, and uh, make their rosters good. So you cannot look me in the eye the way that like Jeff Wilpon did to the to the fans in the press the other day. And you can't look the press in the that eye the way that garbage. Derek, yeah, the way that Derek Cole and Ken Kendrick did at the beginning of the off season and say, we can't spend money right now. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Um, and, and so I, yeah, from a certain point of the view, Mets are I, I operating right. like everything's fine. They just like, it's been a disaster the last couple of years. Like they're, them not selling off some of these starting pitchers and just making some huge changes. Like their big move this week was re-signing Jose Reyes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, which is loaded with, um, you know, toxic connotations, uh, both. Well, I've got, great, uh, I've got great news for you as to who the next Giants free agent sign is going to be. And who might that be? The 38-year-old bearded wonder. Fit right in. Jason Wirth. <laughs> yeah, that solves, all their out- giant. that solves their outfield issues. No doubt about it. I don't see any other way they solve it, honestly. I mean, you could bring Melky Cabrera back. How is Melky Cabrera only 33? That's a really good question. One that I had not thought Doesn't I'd ever have to ponder. I feel like he should be like in almost thirty nine. Yeah, I, in Major League Baseball for thirty seven years. And he just looks old. Like he doesn't have that youthful exuberance about him anymore. I'm not sure if he ever did. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I the think Giants he did in uh, uh, in New York. That was at least fifteen years ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants. The Giants could do. The Giants could make Domingo Santana work. Like that just ever since, you know, the last couple hours, the more and more I think about it, the more that a deal with Milwaukee kind of makes sense for them. It's just a matter of like what kind of pitching they'd be willing to offer the Brewers um, and whether or not that will get a deal done. So I will say I love what the Giants are doing because while 
just the Brewers are making these cool moves and yeah. the Cardinals are making great moves. I love that the Giants are doing something completely different. I want more just variety. I want a team to go nuts and like, you know what? Well, Screw it. We're not like we won like 60 something games last year. We're doubling down on this. We're contending now. We're getting Andrew McCutcheon. We're getting Evan Longoria. I love it. I love teams just irrationally heat checking in the offseason and well, not looking at I, I love it. Well, San Francisco is in a weird spot, right? Like they don't want to push past the luxury tax and they're already, Mm -hmm. they're already there essentially. And so they're also probably going to have a bunch of bounce back seasons from their infields. You know, I don't think, I don't think Brandon Crawford or Brandon Belts or Buster Posey are going to quite have the same, you know, dips in performance that they did in 2017. Bobby Evans knows that. So he probably thinks that if he can just thread the needle with like maybe one or two outfield options, then he'll be good. Um, Because the Giants roster is still strong. Like Jeff Samarja had like a really good year last year. Bumgarner isn't, you know, driving off-road vehicles anymore uh, in his spare time. So he'll probably stay healthy. Um, there's plenty, there are plenty of pieces like Melanson will probably be okay again. Like, you know, the presence of Arizona complicates the, complicates things in the way that St. Louis and Milwaukee have, have behaved uh, this winter complicates things. But I think that they know that they can't really go out and make a splash on a free agent. So maybe if they can just make one of two little deals here and there, they might be able to they might be able to be okay. I don't think the Giants are necessarily making the playoffs, but I could kind of see the rationale as to how they're behaving. Um, I just wish that they were a little bolder and just said, screw it, let's let's go past the luxury tax. It doesn't really matter. We're not actually going to be paying that much in fines next year. We probably still could elevate payroll to go get one of the big boys in the, in the market. Um, so... I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens in San Francisco. I'm worried the Padres aren't going to make the playoffs this year. I think you're probably right about that. I'm going to go out on a AJ Preller might not. I think their best offseason acquisition was getting Dave Cameron from Fangraphs. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. Eric Hosmer, though, on the way. I think. Do, do you think the Padres or the Royals actually want to re-sign him? I think the Royals would love to just for sentimental reasons, but I don't think, I think they know that they can't. I think both teams know that they have to pay him and they don't want to. They both would like to have him and just like the, without paying him what he wants. And both are just like, we don't like you that much, but we do like you. And yeah, no, I think, I think Dayton Moore's made his piece. With that already. How depressing has it got to be, though, if you're Eric Hosmer, after the kind of last couple of years that you've had, and you finally expect this huge payday, the Red Sox might go after you, and now it's down to the Padres and the Royals trying to wait it out and hope that you take significantly less than what you want. Yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, it's not unfeasible that there's a mystery team waiting around. I think the other joke about Martinez and, and the Diamondbacks is the Diamondbacks were that mystery team for uh, Granky. Uh, two years ago so any you know and and as this as this market develops as more and more guys um, come off the board and and as they've all been weighted out and their prices probably or artificially depressed by 30 owners and gms deciding that they don't want to pay free agents anymore um, you know 
guys like Hosmer, Hosmer become more appealing and more affordable to more teams. You know, I think that Dombrowski might wish that he could go out and get Hosmer as well as Martinez. Um, but he's dealing with luxury tax problems too, the same way that San Francisco is. I think is, Dombrowski so. wants everybody. Well, he always wants everybody. Yeah, that's his MO. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think that there may yet be a team with a first base need that could go after Hosmer that isn't San Diego. I mean, if I were Eric Hosmer, I wouldn't want to play in San Diego right now. I mean, he might be able to dupe himself and AJ Preller. They won't even bring back himself. the brown uniforms. I know, which that's the only, only way that you actually make Eric Hosmer appealing. Um, well, so, yeah, um, speaking know. of to and bring this all full circle with the Brewers, it's nine thirty East Coast time. We're recording this Thursday night, and the Brewers have had themselves a day. Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, what they could do to put a cap because the best things come in three. You know what they could do? Bring back the best uniforms, the best hat in baseball. Just make a full brand change. That's like cap the season. They've done it before as, as like, so uh, they've worn those uniforms as like Sunday alternates or for special, for special events, but yeah, no, full time. No, I, the Navy blue, the I, Navy blue sucks. I, I <laughs> could not agree with you more. Like the Brewers uniforms yeah. took a real nosedive when they, when they turned their backs on the, on that classic, just like when I first found out that blue logo was, it was, it was a great day. I'd yeah. never saw the M in there before. Yeah. I know. That's fantastic. Well, we need to go. So quickly, I'm, I'm going to throw out my Hugh Darvish and Jake Arrieta picks, and then you can quickly throw out yours. Okay. Ready? Okay. I think you is going to definitely sign with the Cubs now. I think Theo is about to react in a strong way mm-hmm. and sign you Darvish. Mm-hmm. And then I think Jake Arrieta is going to Milwaukee. Uh, I'm kind of thinking you're right about Arietta, but just for the sake of mixing it up, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say that Darvish I think I, I'm going to say that the Twins nab Darvish because I think they've been very aggre- they've been very aggressive about pursuing I like him, it. and you know they they reloaded their bullpen and I think you know the Twins want to try and keep their contention window open, uh, and Darvish makes a ton of sense for them because they need rotation help, and then for Arietta, uh, who who would make sense for Arietta? So the Cubs seem to be out on him. You already said Milwaukee. Uh, if I had to say a dark horse for Arietta, I think it's the Braves. I was actually literally just about to say the Braves. I think I think it could be the Braves. I think the Braves should also be chasing Mike Mustakas too, but that's a whole other conversation. Oh, I've said this. Oh, you've oh you're you have a lifelong spot. <laughs> I've been Thanks, saying Chase. that Mike Mustakas had future Brave written all over him for yeah. like the last seven years. Why not? And they Why have a not? need. Oh, their yeah. third base position was so bad. I mean, the Freddie Freeman stuff. He was playing third, and that was all yeah, to make yeah. room for Matt at. Oh, what a what a year in yeah. Atlanta. But uh, yeah, he makes sense. He's better than Adonis Garcia, I think. And Rio so, Ruiz. I think that, yeah, I think the Braves are going to be better this year than a lot of people think. And I think 2019 is a great time for them to push in. So might as well grab Mustakas now. You have Ronald Acuna coming up. Like it's exciting times in Atlanta. We'll see. Um, Evan Davis, thank you so much for taking the time. It's always fun talking baseball with you, man. Pleasure, Chase. Thank you. All right. We can find you on Twitter at Evan Davis Sports. We can read you at FanRag, Hardball Times, Beyond the Box Score, and many more. We can see you on TV with Brian Kenny on MLB Network. A lot of ways we can keep up with you. So thank you, as always, for the time. And we will we will talk soon. Sounds great. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. 
I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys.